Well, as I said, we are starting a new series going through the Romans Road. So for this Sunday and the following four Sundays, each message will be coming out of a scripture verse from the book of Romans. And this is a, uh, a popular evangelistic tool. It's a way of walking people through what it takes to be saved. Why do I need to be saved? And as I said earlier, it begins with uh, Romans chapter 3. Verse 23, and uh, one of the things we'd like to do just as a practice to try to get this word into our mind, or this uh, verse into our minds and into our heart is to repeat it together a few times, and, and we'll take away a few words, and then we'll repeat it again, and then we'll take away a few more words. So uh, let's say this together, shall we? Romans 3, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All right, so we'll take away a few of those words. We'll, so now we just fill in the blanks as we go through it. Let's say this together again. Romans 3.23 For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All right, we'll take away a couple more words. I was really tempted to take ofs off too. I was. I was. But we'll leave them up there. Let's say this together, shall we? One last time. Romans 3.23 For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Alright, so hopefully this one, we can get this one. And we can put it into our brains. And uh, The focus of this and the beginning place, really, is this idea of sin that all have sinned. That, that is the starting point for coming to Christ for salvation. How can we uh, desire to be saved if we don't have something we need to be saved from? And if we have not knowledge of the fact that we have sinned, why would we need to be saved? I think one of the, the critical things in our lives is to recognize our sin. And that, that can be painful, that can be hurtful to, to people at times, but it, it's a truth. And it's the starting point of our lives. As Romans 3.23 here says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's the beginning point. It helps us to recognize that, that we are not perfect. And the, the, the thing I really want to stress here is this all word. All is, uh, it means each and every part of the whole. Okay, so each and every part of humanity. Each and every single individual within the world throughout history, save one, have sinned. And that one who didn't was conceived of a virgin by the power of the Holy Spirit and he was born without sin and he never sinned. And outside of him, everyone, everyone has sinned. Everyone has sinned. That means I have sinned. That means you have sinned. That means that really sweet person down the street who you think could never do any wrong has sinned. 
And it also means that absolute creep who get, keeps cutting you off on the road. Well, you already knew that he sinned. But what this means, everyone had sinned, means that everybody is equal in this. Nobody can point to somebody else and say, I'm better. We think we can, but we can't. Everyone has sinned. Everyone has fallen short of what God desires for us. Everyone has sinned. And I think this is an important thing to recognize and remember because oftentimes we, we want to think that other people are somehow worse sinners than we are or other people are less sinners than we are. In our culture today, what are we going on with? with uh, you know, the last few years, they've been toppling down statues and saying, oh, this person can't be taught about anymore and we can't think about this person. We need to get that person off of this bill. I saw just recently a, a, a buddy from high school who's in the Army had commented on a, a, a release from the Secretary of the Army that uh, they are changing the name of Fort Bragg. Fort Bragg in North Carolina is named after a mediocre Confederate general. I don't blame them for getting rid of the name Bragg. I just wish it hadn't taken them so long personally. But they're changing the name to Fort Liberty. And this has got some of the army guys upset. They're thinking to themselves, are there no deserving soldiers? Is there no heroism or deeds of valor that we can point to, that we could put that person's name on the fort? Maybe somebody who gave every last measure for our country and whom we can honor. And I so badly wanted a comment, you might be happy with them today, but somebody won't be happy with them in the future. It seems like you can't hold anybody up for praise anymore. And yet the people who are doing this, the people who are saying, oh, Thomas Jefferson is terrible. Oh, George Washington is terrible. Oh, Abraham Lincoln is terrible. Don't ask me why, but they think he is. Frederick Douglass needs to have his statue removed, we're getting into some crazy areas. And the people who are doing that don't understand that when we say everyone has sinned, we mean them too. It, it should humble us when we say everyone has sinned, for all have sinned. This doesn't mean just everybody out there. This means everybody in here too. And that's what I think our country is sorely lacking, is that because we've gotten rid of this idea of sin, because this is, this is a modern problem we have. I think 20 years ago, if you would talk to somebody about sin, they would have had an understanding of what you're talking about. They would have had a comprehension, and they would have actually accepted these phrases and these terms. Try it today to some of the generation that is coming up, to, to the people that are running the world, you might say. Try to suggest that there is sin in their lives. If you might recall our uh, president before our current president, he, he, he didn't think he'd ever sinned. Now, all of us can point to at least one idea or one thought that, that no, here's a sin. But no, he thought he was pretty good. And that's not, that's not unique to him. There are a lot of people today that think they're pretty good because today uh, the greatest, if they would even acknowledge a sin, the greatest sin is to not be yourself. To not be yourself to the fullest you can be. Well, I don't know about you, but when I'm myself to the fullest I can be, 
I'm usually full of sin. There is now that uh, I don't want to be too much on, oh, everything that is me is sin. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying when I'm full of myself and I'm trying to be fuller who I want to be, generally there's going to be sin in that. Now, the more I am with Christ, the more I walk with him, the more I become more of myself in Christ. That is different. And the more we grow in Christ, the more we know God, the more we live with him, the more real we become, the more ourselves as we were supposed to be, we become. But this idea that everyone has sinned, we struggle with that as a culture today. You know, we might know that that's not good, but, well, that's, you know, that's not that bad. And that not that bad becomes it's not sin. Let me tell you something. Sometimes we do good things and it's sin. That's how, that's how uh, pervasive sin is in our lives. And everyone has sinned. In fact, right before it, he said there is no distinction between people. And we'll see why there's no distinction. In fact, the, the, the whole book of Romans, the first three chapters, was dealing with the world and how the world is. And then in chapter 2, we go on into the, the Jewish people. And, oh, you think they would be ahead because they have the law. No, they're in just as bad a shape as all the nations are that didn't have the law. And then we end up here with, for all have sinned and fall short of the, king, or the kingdom. See, I keep wanting to do that. That's a different verse. All have fallen short of glory of God. And what does glory of God mean? What are we talking about here when uh, we talk about the glory of God? We're talking about, uh, the word is doxa. When we sing the doxology, we're glorifying God. But the word in Greek, doxa, it actually means somebody's good opinion. Doxa, glory, has the idea of opinion or praise, or honor. It's that which God, in His opinion, elevates and glorifies. It's what He thinks is good. What is good in the world is not necessarily what I think, or what certain activists think, or certain people in the government think. What is good is what God thinks. And our job as believers or as, as, as human beings is to find out what does God think and try to think those things too and to live it out. But glory of God is what He desires, what He thinks is right. And when we say that we have sinned, that word sin, it comes from a, a word that means to miss the mark. It doesn't in and of itself mean to do something bad. It means that there is a target you're trying to hit and you've missed it. That is what sin is. And we call it sin because we have missed the mark on God's glory. And, and not only that, this is something sinned. Notice sinned is in the past tense. It is something that has happened in the past that has ongoing consequences. It has an openness about the consequences of it, but it is in the past. The word fall, notice fall is not in the past tense. We have sinned and fall short. That's in the present tense. It doesn't mean that we have sinned and we have fallen short. No, we have sinned and we currently do fall short. That is our current state of life. And to fall short is a word that means to come late. You know, you could just as easily say we're a, dollar, a day late and a dollar short when it comes to God's glory. We just miss the bus all the time. If you try to be there five minutes early, it left six minutes early. 
You are falling short. You have come late. You are behind. You are lacking. You suffer the need of something. That is what he is saying when he says, we all have sinned. We all fall short. Because of our sin that we have already done, we currently fall short. We currently lack God's glory and the ability to reach the glory of God. That in and of ourselves, even even if you were to become perfect today and do everything perfect today, because you have past sin, you still fall short. And and we all know that most of us are going to sin today. right? We've either already done it or we're going to do it again or we're going to do it this afternoon and we're going to fall short continually. It's It's a continuing activity in our lives. And there are different kinds of, of moods in the Greek. You know, we, we've talked about in the past about like imperative where it's a command. This mood that these, are, these words are, are placed in are indicative. And what it, the indicative mood means is that it is something that is sure. It is real. It is reality. So it's not the possibility that you have sinned. It's not the possibility that you are falling short. No, it is reality. The fact of the matter is, is you have sinned. The fact of the matter is, is because you have sinned, you fall short today. And not just you, but everybody. Everybody falls short. And and the problem with that is, is because it's in the past that we've already sinned. Even if you were to be perfect today, you're still going to be falling short. You're still going to lack the glory of God. What He has said is good. And there is nothing you can do to change that. And that's the thing we really, again, when I think about our world, what is one of the problems? I see this in the church too. The idea that we can somehow make the world utopia. That we can make the world a better place through our own actions, through our own decisions, through uh, forcing ways of living onto people. It doesn't matter if it's the, the moral majority, the religious right of the 80s trying to say legislate you know, Christian morals, it doesn't work. And it won't work for the people who are trying to legislate progressive morals on us today. It doesn't work. John Calvin was a theologian, but he was also a, uh, an administrator and a ruler of a city-state. And his city-state was very simple. Obey God's laws and you'll get along just fine. Everything was incentivized for people to be Christians. And in a world where it was, be a Christian, there were still people who refused to do the good things and live peacefully. And it drove him, not, it didn't literally drive him nuts, but he kind of said, what is wrong with people that even though it is set up to walk in the way of Christ, they would still willfully not walk in the way of Christ. You know, it, how is this? And it was through that struggle that we got what is held today as the ideas of, John, of Calvinism, the, the, the religious beliefs that bear his name. One among many, although I say it's not Calvin, it's, it's Christ, it's Scripture, because it's throughout the Bible, but the idea of predestination, that, that, that there are people who, you know, we, we, are, we are completely unable to follow Christ if he does not call us, that he has not chosen from the beginning to call us. 
And he got to that point because he was dealing with people. He was like, you know, you'd fake it. You could fake it and get along in the world, and they still refuse. Why? Well, you can't impose reality on people. No matter how good you make it for them, how easy you make it for them, you can't, you can't, you can't impose it on people. They can't do it on their own. And that's one of the things we've got to recognize, that we cannot make the world utopia because we, are, we fall short of God's glory. We, we cannot make up what we lack in ourselves. We cannot make up what we lack. We cannot make up for the unrighteousness in our hearts. We cannot make up for the, the unrighteousness in our society. We fall short. We can't do it. It's, it's like if you're asking me to jump 10 feet high in the air. I can't do it. Not on my own. I probably couldn't do it if you gave me a 20-foot stick to hold on to. I can't do it. We cannot make up what we lack. And that is what he is saying here, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory. of We fall short. We lack that glory. We cannot do it on our own. What do we do in a world where we're hopeless and helpless? That we don't have the ability, but we continue to sin. And we live in a world of sin and people who sin and everybody does it. And, and that fact that everybody does it and we cannot make up for it should humble us as believers. It should keep us from passing judgment on all those other people. You know? Because we're all in the same boat. And, and, and if you happen to know Christ and somebody else doesn't, let me just stress, it's not because of something you did that they didn't do. It's because God is helping you because we lacked it and we didn't have the ability to do it on our own. In in fact, I want to point out in this verse 23, notice that the first word is not capitalized. That means it's not the beginning of a sentence. Notice that after the word God, it's not a period. It's a comma. It's not the end of a sentence. This verse is an interruption of a greater thought. This verse is a description, a clarification of what has just gone on before it. And so it's kind of funny to me that this is actually, that we're going to memorize this verse. But this is such an important verse. As you, as you interact with people, as you deal with people, as you want to share the gospel, you don't have to quote it at them, but you need to remember, hey, they need to recognize their sin. We need to recognize that it is it is sin in our lives that separates us from God. You know, this is the starting point of coming to faith, of recognizing our sin. And there are a lot of people in the world today that don't want to recognize any sin in their lives. It's just going to be that much harder. It can be bad people that don't recognize sin. It can be good people that don't recognize sin. Sometimes I'm more concerned about the sweet people, the nice people that never hurt anybody, that always are thinking about other people. Because I, I think personally it would be easier to... To, to, to lie to yourself in that situation. You know, some of us, our sins go before us. Nobody needs to say anything. Everybody knows we sin. But there are people in the world who are so, just by their, their character and their, their behavior and their thought process, they're just good, decent, nice people. And it, it can be hard sometimes to think, oh yeah, they're a sinner still. 
You know, I think of Fred Rogers. Boy, I wish I was like Fred Rogers. Or Mr. Rogers in his neighborhood. He'd say things like, uh, whenever something's going on, look for the helpers. You know, whenever things are bad, his mom told him, look for the helpers. There are always people who are helping. And I hear that and think, man, I wish I was more like that. I am not much of a helper. Gosh, I wish I was. You know? And it, it can be easy to look at a guy like Fred Rogers and think, oh, he's so good. He's so quiet. He never gets angry. He never gets cross with people. And no, no, all have sinned. And he knew it in himself. He didn't fool himself. He may have fooled a lot of people in the world. He didn't fool himself. He knew he was a sinner. He knew that he had those struggles. This, this verse with its lowercase four and its comma at the end, it is, it is interjecting into a, a thought that has begun in verse 21. Paul has begun his letter talking about the, the fallenness of the world. And then he's talked about the Jews who should be ahead because they have the law, but they aren't. In fact, the law convicts them. It doesn't save them. And so now he says in verse 21, but now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested. It has been made apparent to us. We have seen the righteousness of God apart from the law, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, that which the law and the prophets of the Old Testament proclaimed and professed and told us was coming. They witnessed it. They are witnesses of it. But now we see it. It has been manifested and he says in verse 22, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ, that righteousness is now being seen. Righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for whom? For all those who believe. And then we get, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For all who believe, the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ, through faith, excuse me, in Jesus Christ, for all those who believe. Just as all have sinned, all who believe can receive the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For there is no distinction. There is no uh, difference in people all people are able to receive the righteousness of god for all have sinned short of the glory of god but if you were to take out verse 23 and just go from 22 to 24 it would say uh, in christ jesus for all those who believe for there is no distinction that all those who believe being justified as a gift by His grace, through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. So when we're talking about all have sinned and fall short of the, glory, of the glory of God, He is saying, but there's an answer to this. We fall short, but He does not. We are not able to make up what is lacking, but He is. And He does it by justifying us. And, and to be justified means to be told, you're wrong and you're out. You're, you're, you, you, you've done the wrong thing, but we are going to make it as if you have done the right thing. We are going to justify you when you were not just earlier. And we are being justified as a gift 
by His grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. What He has done on the cross. In verse 25, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in His blood through faith. This is how this is how we make up. This is the great reason why we need to recognize that we are sinners and we do fall short. Because until we get there, we don't go saying, okay, well, who's going to save me? What's going to happen? If I can't do it on my own, who's going to do it for me? And the answer is, is God is going to do it for you and God has done it for you through Jesus Christ who He offered as a propitiation, the payment for our sins by offering Him up publicly and displaying Him publicly in His death. That's why He says displayed publicly as a propitiation in His blood through faith. And because God has offered us His Son, we as, as human beings who fall short, we can receive it through faith. We can receive the righteousness of God through faith. It's for all who believe. There is no distinction. We fall short of the glory of God, but we can receive the glory of God. We can receive the righteousness of God not through the law, not through nature, not through doing better, but through such a simple thing as believing, as faith, as believing in Jesus and being justified as a gift. A gift, not something that you do on your own. You know, when we say, oh, that person has a real gift, we might just mean it as high praise, well, they're doing a really good job, but what we're saying is they have something that they didn't have, they don't have for themselves. Somebody else gave them that. They have a real gift. When you talk about somebody having a real gift, if, if you want to praise somebody, maybe don't tell them they have a gift. Because what you're saying when you say they have a real gift is, you know, they're not really responsible for it. If somebody has a real gift for numbers or a real gift for putting words together, what you're saying is, is somebody else gave them that ability. But if you say, wow, you've worked really hard, you've dedicated yourself, you, you're, you, you're disciplined, you really do a good job, that's all praise on that person. But when we say somebody has a gift, we're saying they didn't do it on their own. To have a gift is to be humbled. To recognize that it's not because of anything we have done. And that's what He offers us through Jesus. Because we have sinned, because we fall short of His glory. And the thing to recognize here is just as all have sinned, righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ is available for all those who believe. All who believe. God's grace and righteousness are available for everyone. And, and this is another aspect of for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God that we need to recognize. It's not enough just to leave people in the mud. All have sinned and fall short. Oh, you're, you fell short. You're down. You're out. You're no more. No. When we say for all have sinned and fall short, we cannot say that without also acknowledging in our hearts and for the person that we're talking to, that God's grace and righteousness are available for all as well. 
all have sinned, all may receive the grace through Jesus Christ. That's why, that's why it's this little interjection in verse 23. We go from, uh, you know, he's saying all, it's for all those who believe. There is no distinction. And then to explain himself why there is no distinction. Why he's not saying it's for all the nations. Jews are fine. All the other nations need it. And it's why he's saying, he's not saying it's for the Jews. Nations need not apply. The Gentiles need not apply. They're out of it. No, he's saying there's no distinction. It doesn't matter how much of the law you had. It doesn't matter how much of the law you didn't have. There is no distinction. His grace is available to all because all have sinned and fall short. I want to encourage you as we think about people in our lives, it's so easy to think that they're just, they're just lost and worthless and they're never going to get it. And that's such a horrible way of thinking about people because you could have easily thought that about us, couldn't you? At some point in your life, some people could have thought, well, you're just lost, you're just useless, you're just fallen. When we, when we come face to face with somebody's sin, that they have sinned and they fall short, and we come face to face with it and it hurts us, it affects us, it impacts us negatively. Not only should we say, yeah, all of sin, they're a sinner, they fall short. No. Add the second part to that. That if they would believe, if they would know Jesus, if they would believe in Him, they could receive God's righteousness through faith, which is a gift that He gives us. And as you deal with somebody who is living out their sin and maybe they don't acknowledge it, and we just finished a month glorifying in sin, not all sin, but glorifying pretty heavy. And it's easy to judge people. It's so easy, isn't it? We need to remember that God sent His Son to die on the cross for them too. And, and what they need in life is to recognize their sin and to receive salvation through Jesus Christ, to believe in Him. And so as we, honestly, it should humble us as believers, it should sadden us to think. The difference between us and them is not the fact that they sin, we don't. We sin too. The difference is, is that we have found Jesus Christ, or I should probably better say, we have been found by Jesus Christ and we have responded to Him and that for whatever reason in their life, either they haven't met Him or they haven't responded or they have actively rejected. Either way, I should not be angry. I should pity. It should cause sorrow, not anger. The world around us is sin and full of sin. And you can get angry about it at times. You can get frustrated about it at times. If, if the world would just operate the way you and I know it should operate, everything would be fine. And we know, we know that's not true. The truth is, is that how sorrowful it is that they don't know their Savior. How awful it is that maybe they haven't received Him. How dreadful it is that maybe they have decided to reject Him outright. That's a horrible thing. Because His grace is offered as a gift. 
His righteousness is offered as a gift for all who believe. For all who will acknowledge they have sinned and fall short. Let's say this verse one last time together, shall we? And then we'll close with a word of prayer. Romans 3.23 For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we recognize as we come before You that we have sinned. That we do fall short. Lord, there might be some of us here today that we struggle with that idea. We don't see that we fall short. We think we're doing pretty good with You. Maybe there are people in our lives, maybe there's somebody here today who operates on their own standard, not Yours. They think they're doing just fine based on their own standard. Maybe based on the standard of the world around us. Lord, we pray that You would... uh, Convict us in our hearts that we have sinned against You. We have missed the mark of Your glory, of Your righteousness. We fall short. We lack it. We will never make up for it. Lord, we pray that You would take us to that place where we are broken by it. That we recognize our doom and cry out, what must we do? How can we be saved if we can't do it on our own? Lord, we pray that we would remember as we think of this verse, not only that we fall short, but that You reach out through Your grace, through the death of Jesus Christ on the cross, that if we would believe, trust You, take You at Your Word, and turn to You, that we would receive Your righteousness, that we would receive forgiveness, that we could know Your grace. Father, if anybody here today is in that place needing forgiveness from their sins, needing forgiveness for their sins, Lord, that they would hear Your Holy Spirit's call and that we would seek to follow Jesus and to believe in Him. We pray, Lord, as for those believers here that as we interact with people who don't act like Christians, They don't act like Christ would have them to act. They sin and they don't care. Help us to remember we're not too different. It's not us, it is You who has saved us. Help us to have compassion. Help us to have mercy. Help us to have courage, we pray, Lord, that we would share the truth of Romans 3.23. We ask this today in Jesus' name. Amen.